Hey there, Sharptomaniacs, you're listening to a one week late spoopy episode of the Sharp Dog Show. Hey. I didn't hey. get to do my cool Dracula hey. uh, on actual Halloween, so I thought I'd yeah. bring it back. You know, week late. So, that's kind of yeah. how we roll. We also wore later hose in a week late to Oktoberfest, so it's kind of our thing. Kind of good. Yeah. We like to hang on. Uh, we're closers at the party. We're the, we're the, the dudes who stand around way too late. After the party's way over, and we're just hanging out, uh, crack, cracking another beer when everyone's leaving. <laughs> where are you all going? Hey, where are you all going? Hey, is that a, what kind of TV is this? Some, can I watch a Netflix show? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, just me and you. Just me and you. Hey, Chris. I, you like music, right? I do like um, music. Have sure. you heard of that new band? Uh, 1,023 MB. Never heard of it. Yeah, they're good, but they haven't gotten a gig yet. They're good, but they haven't gotten a gig yet. (laughs) Because it's 1,023, not 1,024. Yeah. Is that what I'm meant to understand here? God, I'm glad my brain is firing on all cylinders. It's, yes. Anyway, that's, uh. (laughs) It sounds like a joke that would be in the bottom of Cassidy's newsletter. Yeah, Cassidy, if you're listening, you can you can uh, you know you, you can have you can, that one. Steal that one. Yeah, episode nine I'll million. Right, Cassidy's newsletter. That's fine. Actually, I I don't understand how she's so good at just every week. Got a got a nice quote. Got a nice joke. God damn. Yeah, it's a good newsletter. Well, we were recording this a little ahead of time, so by the time you've heard this, this isn't exactly news anymore, but it was a big week for, uh, there's a lot of hype around Turbo Pack, and you know, it was the it was Vercel's little Next.js conf thing. I shouldn't say little, because it was pretty big, I'm sure. Uh, well, I think it was like 10,000 like 10, people online or something. Yeah, that's 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 wild. It was even a little, it was a little, maybe it was just my home internet, but it was a little jerky almost. I was like, oh, maybe they're streaming to too many people or something. They're struggling, well, I yeah. I think YouTube probably was not at fault for that one. Uh, pretty rad, though. I mean, I, I don't know. Next.js 13 launched. It, I, I updated two sites uh, hours after the thing to, to Next 13. Uh, it only took me about an hour. There was some, some, a little couple of weirdnesses, but nothing too bad. And, but I didn't. I think you still have to use a flag if you want to use Turbo Pack. And I didn't so you, do that, okay. so I'm not on Turbo Pack yet. But I did so kick next up to 13 next thirteen. Feels all right. I mean, is it like it doesn't? I also didn't take any. I didn't do anything that was particularly next thirteeny. Next thirteen has some data fetching interestingnesses that look pretty cool, and then and then I think credit to them. A smart move is this: you can also use this new directory called app, I guess, rather than pages, and they they they're both kind of routed folders. But when you use app, you get a bunch of you know new superpowers, including all this data fetching stuff, which means incremental adoption. And I think when a when a library ships a big new way of doing things and gives you an incremental adoption path, that's smart. That's a good Did, idea. That is it, man. Um, we've been we've been looking at Turbo Pack. You know Turbo Pack, or you're you're maybe using Turbo Pack, or no? TurboPack is the the very very brand new thing that's the Webpack successor in Rust. 
I, what do you I'm mean turbo, turbo repo? Repo. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Turbo repo. Okay. Right. So we were looking at turbo repo just because we have Lures up. It's great. It's working. Every <laughs> we're yeah. everything's okay. working. Mono but, repo or not? Uh, it's a monolith right now. So uh, so everything is in one repo, but it's basically a big monolith, and the API is running inside Nuxt Nuxt's server middleware. Okay. So you wouldn't uh, call it a mono repo just because there's really only one thing. So I'd call it more like a monolith, just like Rails okay. or something, you know. But um, sure. but technically, I guess it could be a mono repo. It's just the node process is spun up by Nuxt. But but we're we're looking at pulling some stuff out, right? Like we do, um, you know, some some kind of background tasks. So we're like, you know, and occasionally they fail. And like, wouldn't it be better if that was a queue on its or own? Something? Yeah, on a Redis queue. We have a, a like a Postgres based queue, but we found out if it fills up, it just falls over. So that was cool to learn. <laughs> it just silent silently dies. Oh no, we're just rolling out a Postgres queue now. <laughs> Is it Graphile Worker? Or do you know? Uh, no, it's kind of hand rolled just because we're crazy like that. Well, careful. Uh, Graphile Worker is great, but yeah, we found out uh, if it fills up with too many farts, it just gives up. So, uh, giving up is not what cues are supposed to do. That's so, not uh, what you want. It just <laughs> locked. And so we found that out a little late, but no, okay, not, okay. no one's thing broke, but it just was like. Well, here's a, here's a thing in Luro. I don't mean to give away the farm here, but for example, you could ask Luro to pull in all your stuff from Figma. And it's probably right. nice to wait for that, but I could see that being a thing that could be like, yeah, this might take a while. So instead of just doing it in the browser in one request, we'll throw it on the queue. So it like kind of gets done no matter what. You could even like close the browser tab and it'll get, get done, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of what we're we're looking at is, you know, these jobs for like record generation or, you know, even if it's like, hey, we're going to go grab your whole entire Figma. And, you know, for most sites, that's easy. It's like hundreds of components. But for, you know, like Shopify's thing is like 1,800 components or something like that. It's massive, right? And that's megs and megs and megs of data inside Figma. But... You know, so if we can just like go and do that sort of like in, in in a isolated kind of clean environment where it's just making that request, getting that request. But uh, other things you can do with the queue is like just kind of update like, hey, we're fetching this. It should be about five more minutes or something, you know, whatever you think it's going to be. But you can like kind of update messaging and stuff like that. But anyway, we're we're looking at Turbo Repo to pull in like some a little bit different architecture, split out some services. Okay, and I'm tying this all the way back to Vercel. I swear to uh, the idea the, of incremental adoption. Right, right. Like what we're certain, like kind of staring at right now is how do we like do this a little bit, you know? In in you know, I think I, I think Turbo Repo does a pretty good job at it. Like you kind of maybe just build out one part, but but that's always it's it's hard to buy into these whole things when when the path to like incremental improvement isn't clear, you know, Uh, I I think about like, you know, some things are just like, Hey, you got to do this at the beginning or else it doesn't work. You know, (laughs) like how do I incrementally get it better? You know? So, yeah. Yeah. It's cool that, uh, Vercel is thinking about that in terms of, you know, yeah, they seem to always kind of make the right move. Pretty, pretty smart of them. Not that there was, there was plenty of pushback on Mm -hmm. all this, but only I think probably because they're so big and it's easy to 
it's easier. It feels like punching up almost when when your when your thirteenth release of your software there. looks like an Apple <laughs> keynote. You know, like it feels safe to punch up now. Yeah, when ten thousand people tune into your uh, blog announcement and you like hype it up for weeks, and you may be big. But yeah, and it was a pretty big release, and I think it was it was it, it was worthy of of all that. I mean, I don't know. You can do whatever you want. They're doing great. <laughs> it was it was fun mm-hmm. to watch. I, I thought. Um, some of the pushback being, you know, Next 13's bundle size for Hello World is, you know, 275 kilobytes or something. Like, it's a juicy piece of JavaScript for for what you could argue is literally nothing. Mm-hmm. When you, on, on that particular page, it says, you know, welcome to Next. You, don't, you need none JavaScript. That's how much JavaScript is required yeah. on that particular page. But it's just kind of setting you up for... The future. It's setting you up to have SPA like behavior ready to rock uh, and such. So I don't necessarily want to be its defender, but I do think working in Next is is p- p- relatively pleasurable, and it does a pretty great job at what it does. And I think in a lot of people's minds, is almost interchangeable with React. It's become Next is React. You know. I mean, I don't know. I. I- Long-time listeners will not be surprised. I'm not the biggest fan of React, but yeah, the, right. Like, um, but I would not use it without something like Next. Like, I, I couldn't dream of it. Like, I just I don't want to figure out stuff the hard way. I want to just use what is good and stable, you know. So, but is part of the release the like server components, or was that already there, or is that kind of like the new? It was. It is because that's part of React 18. React 18. Right. And React 18 is still so new that that's why, you know, there was some quotes that, you know, again, were a little hot, which is that like Next yeah. 13 is the React 18 release kind of Move. thing. Hot drama. And React yeah. kind of saying, hey, like, I get the point. I get what you're trying to say there. But like, if Next was the only thing in the world that ever used these, that would kind of be a fail for React, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that has not shaken out the kind of, I don't think there's any bad blood or anything, but it is interesting mm-hmm. to see how this, you know, who's responsible for what here and who's benefiting from what here, et cetera, shakes out. I think there's going to be some ruffled feathers before it's all over. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, people, I, I read some stuff and people were like, oh, you know, uh, you know, they landed a commit and then they, so they could get a release, you know, and it's like, not who else can do that? Not everyone can do that, you know? And it's like, I mean, yeah, but like, I, I as I read into it, it's like, they've been working on landing this commit for like two years and it just worked and coincided, you know, with something they need. They're obviously a large consumer of right. React, so React probably is like treating them like a large customer, um, you know. But but it does sort of like get into this like I guess it's good that the needle has moved from this is Facebook's thing to this is now Next <laughs> or Vercel's thing. That's a good right. a good needle move maybe. Um, but the what what I think is interesting is. You know, not everyone has the ability to land their feature in React to get their product rolled out. And so I think there is something kind of like, well, are, is it only big dogs that can get 
get what they need, you know? Um, and does that right. build competitive advantages? You know, does did Netlify get notice about this cool new feature so they could build off of it, you know? Or, you know, what? how's it shake down? Yeah, you know? it's interesting. Netlify almost needs a... Needs a next, but they yeah, they got a levendy. <laughs> they got a levendy. Shout out, Jack. Web C. Uh, or Zach. Um, yeah, which is super cool. We have we have scheduled that, so that's going to happen soon. Mm-hmm. The having Zach on to talk about Web C and and just life in general. I like it when guests come on; they're really just our our co host for the week. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about that for sure. But yeah, there, it just so happens that the relationship is just symbiotic enough that it's cool. Mm-hmm. But that's just not always the dynamic is what I'm getting at. I think of like um, how WordPress is created and it's open source too. But rather than it being Facebook who creates WordPress, who's literally just, you know, the Scrooge McDuck money pit of just unlimited cash essentially. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's not true, but that's how, how it feels, you know? Mm-hmm. In fact, it probably is true, you know? There's not a lot of companies with more money than Facebook and are more, uh, you know, proud and invested in the fact that they've invented this technology that the world is, you know, <laughs> largely beloved, or if not beloved, at least dominant. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. good. Instead, WordPress is just entirely open source, heavily subsidized perhaps by automatic you know that's always a strange relationship but still automatic is not facebook very Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. very big company but in the grand scheme of things much 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 smaller are not pleased sometimes when other companies make a lot of money or, or at least just benefit highly from using open source wordpress without contributing back to it like they are notably upset at GoDaddy's usage of WordPress and how they, you know, offer hosting of it and yada yada and highly benefit from from WordPress without being a terribly big contributor to it. Yeah, they're like selling a free product without giving back, right? So, right. Yeah. Those two things are comparable situations. Yeah. One of them being contentious, the other not. They could it's flip like- easily. <laughs> It's like NFTs. I'm selling this JPEG, but I'm not contributing to the DAO. You know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm, yeah. And I guess, you know, you compare that situation to a next React Facebook situation and they're not the same thing. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I, I, I think if I had a concern, it sounds like it was all above board. But you do you do worry about kingmakers and stuff like that, you know. I mean, insider trading or almost from a open source level, that's kind of weird. But you know, it's just like, oh, hey, did you know, uh, like, whatever, Go is getting a new Florp API, Chris. I, I I'm about <laughs> to ship it, and now CodePen can use Florps and. Boom, CodePen's the best. You know, like, I don't know. It's cool if that happens, too. I guess ride that wave. But, um, like, uh, it it does feel like king-making in that sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's interesting how everything has to add, add, add to grow. It was on Mm -hmm. my mind with with Figma the other day. So I feel like either we talked about this before or somebody articulated this point, but it's stuck in my mind that, that it can never 
almost it can almost never get less complicated. And that's probably true mm-hmm. of React and and WordPress and and Next and all these things too. Is that that just the the way that these things are structured is they need to grow. There always needs to be growth happening. Grow or die in a way. And yeah, the only weird, right? way that growth happens is by is by adding stuff to make some new segment of the world happy or usable for your thing. So there's never going to be a moment where, for example, Figma's just like, oh, you know, we're going to rip out the, I don't know, the radial gradient tool or, so, or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Just something or, or we, you know, the, that one that like stretches componentry or anything that's trying to replicate what the web can do. We're just going to pull that out. It'll never happen. There'll never be less features on that piece of software ever. And when you're talking about time scales of software, if, if it's around another 5, 10 plus years, by the end of that time, because of this desire and demand for growth, it will be very complicated. And it will be disrupted then by something that comes along and is simpler. So th- is there like any way out of that cycle? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, I had a guy at Microsoft um, once say, said, you know, we are in an always upgrade era of computing, you know, where, where you close your phone at night and it upgrades overnight, you know, like the website updated, upgraded while you were, you know, sleeping or, or while you're using it, you know, everything's upgrading all the time. Now you you don't buy the CD-ROM and that's your version of Photoshop anymore. You know, everything's mm-hmm. always upgrading. Upgrade, upgrade, Features upgrade. are always getting added. Yeah, it's it's weird. There also feels like this convergence, right? Like everything becomes, you know, everything needs to have Slack built inside of it, you know, or everything needs to have, uh, mm. uh, be, is becoming Notion, you know? It's just funny, you know? It's like, like there's a notion for Microsoft, you know, there's a notion, you know, everyone's just like, I'm going to make Notion, you know, or I'm going to make Google Docs or, you yeah. know, Dropbox Papers, probably the perfect example of like, why does this exist? <laughs> you know, uh, it's very good. Um, I like it. Yeah, but I used to, I used to live in that thing. How's Dropbox Paper doing lately? I don't know. Let's go check in with our old friend Dropbox Paper. <laughs> yeah, it looks like the URL's new. It used to be a subdomain, didn't it? Oh no, it still is. Oh, hey, that's hey guys, funny. It's me, Dropbox Paper. What, you want to ask me a question? <laughs> it used to have bugs once in a while, but I wonder if you uh, if they just... I don't have bugs no more. <laughs> Get out of here, man. I'm perfect. I even have commenting yeah, right. built right into the paper. This podcast is brought to you by Split, the feature management and experimentation platform. What if a release was exactly as how it sounds? A moment of relief. An escape from slow, painful deployments that hold back product engineers. Free your teams and your features with Split. By attaching insightful data to feature flags, Split helps you quickly deploy, measure, and learn the impact of every feature you release, which means you can turn up what works and turn off what doesn't and give software innovation the room to run wild. Now you can safely deliver features up to 50 times faster and exhale. Split feature management and experimentation. What a release. Reimagine software delivery, start your free trial, and create your first feature flag at split.io slash shop talk. 
I think of my own experience at CodePen is that we've been, we, of course, we want to grow and add features and stuff too. We're not any different, really, but it's mm-hmm. been such a long time since we've had a big new feature release that mm-hmm. it, it almost feels like we've we've decided to just like, nah, this is just what CodePen is. And you know, I wouldn't blame everybody if that's what they thought was happening at CodePen. And it it it's not the end of the world. We still yeah. grow. We still attract yeah. people. It's and in a way, it has some benefits. And that what people think of as CodePen's set of capabilities, they're probably right, and they can trust it. And it's there, and it works how they think it's going to work. And yeah, nobody's moving anybody's cheese because it's just there. It is. It does the thing that it says it's going to do. And if you need if you need the pro features, you buy them and do it. And it's it's worked out kind of fine. Now I'm not promising it's going to be that way forever, but it it, it does a I don't know. It makes me think once in a while about software that's just kind of done. I almost think of of Netlify too. You know, they are in the same kind of category as Vercel is, and I'm sure our. You know, we just talked to Sam last week, and she was talking about all the stuff they're working on and how often they ship and all that stuff. So I'm, there's very much not resting on their laurel, but I feel almost some kinship because you're like, name it. You know, like what's the last major thing that you can think of that Netlify did. I don't know, you know, scheduled functions maybe. Yeah, functions. Yeah, scheduled functions. Yeah, yeah. There's a few. There's a few. Here. Yeah, it's it's stuff, but generally you think of Netlify as that the thing. Like I have a pretty strong understanding in my brain of what Netlify does and they don't tend to disrupt that. And I wonder if that's just like fine, you know? Like they right. don't need the, to be the ultimate uh CDN file deployer is is you know, it's yeah. just the ultimate Hell yeah. uh uh, static website machine company, yeah. you know, and then yeah. like, what? Yeah, what are the? Well, there's 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 a sort of a tangential conversation, you know. Isn't Astro has like taken money? Gatsby's taking money. Like frameworks, like these static site generators are like taking money, and like so they're all having to become like hosting companies, you know, to like right. to pay off the investors or whatever. It's fascinating um, to think about Gatsby. They were the ones that it was the most unclear what they were going to do with all that money, and it seemed like a strength of theirs was not hosting because it was like we're just we're the glue. It was you know you can host this thing anywhere. And but then it seemed like yeah, but you should probably be a host because that's where the money is. You know, there'd that's be a, the money a clear is, path right? towards success if you became your own host. And then they like kind of did and kind of didn't, right? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't really know. They're I don't think they're going to end up as being one of the great success stories of this era, unfortunately. Well, but then you like next, right? Like let's they're like let's build like a good host product. Uh, and then, like, make a framework that works with it, you know? Or, I don't know if which happened first. Yeah. yeah. What came first, Next or Vercel? Vers- I mean, at the time, it was something else. I can't even remember. Well, wasn't, um, no, what was it? Um, <laughs> I had a. I said this on Twitter a while back that it was one of the most successful rebrands of all time because you just woke up one morning and they replaced it everywhere, like anywhere you could Zeit. think of. Zeit. Zeit, sure. What came first, Zeit or or next? I don't know. That's a good question. I think Zeit, right? I think that was the, the probably kind of that would be pretty weird ish company, but yeah, I think they was specialized in React hosting or whatever. But yeah, React app deployment. But anyway, that's a different, interesting, right? Just how the different paths of things. But um, 
everything always gets more features and then everything, everyone has to become, every open source project has to become a, a software hosting company. And then every <laughs> software hosting company has to also become a, uh, a Microsoft Word competitor. You know, I don't know. It's just funny. It's, you know, and it does, it deals a lot with the hype of the day, you know, like I'm sure now there's like, now that Figma got 20 mil or 20 bill, or whatever from Adobe. Oh, gosh. There's yeah. a lot of people like, oh, we need a Figma, you know, or we need Figma features, you know. Mm. What are those? What would you say? What if you were in one of those meetings, you know? They're they're like, let's you know just would be even if it was shameless, let's just do whatever Figma did, does. What is that? What would they say that they need to do? Mm. Network effects. Network effects. Uh, you need uh, social. Uh, you need. Uh, you know, I think you see it in like pricing models too. A lot of places have like viewer uh, and editor sort of pricing models. You know, like mm-hmm. I think people are copying them. But um, but you know what? If I was to do something, I don't know, man. I, I still think there's room for an SVG tool that's as easy as Figma, and like you just draw and then it produces SVGs. You could put raster in there too if you want, but it like produces SVGs. There's really not, you know, Illustrator and Figma were like my only two ways. Would it be better at SVG than Figma is? Because Figma does SVG just fine, right? It, it does, but it's it's in a product design space. You know, it's not in like a make a vector doodad space, uh, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, well, it was like just for data purposes here. That Zite was 2015 and Next was 2016. So you're right. Zite came first really shortly after they kicked Next out. But, you know, I, but I think it was all... It was part of a master plan. You know, it must have done create React app as like the first gen. And then it kind of was yeah. like, we'll do our own create React app or something. So Yeah. I also Man. noted because weren't they behind it or something? I always thought that was strange. Um, yeah, maybe it, the new version of Create React app, which still exists, right? It's like it's it's just a way to use React that's not Next. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. which is fine, right? Um, presumably slightly smaller bundle size. We'll see. I wonder if that's using Turbo Two now or whatever because it was famously Webpack forever. I doubt it. It probably will be at some point, but. Is now by default TypeScript, which is very interesting to me. Create React app is TypeScript. Is TypeScript next? by default? Oh wow, wow, wow indeed. As I still just I'm struggling through my feelings of TypeScript. It's been a ten year journey or whatever of being like, what the hell is this? I'll tell you, I've fixed a lot of bugs in my life, and the percentage of them that that were this is a problem with the type of a variable being wrong was not very many of them. So yeah, it was always so strange to me that that was uh, the the biggest problem to solve. You know, add add a add an absolute haystack of tooling to your app just for type problems. That is not totally fair. I understand now. Yeah, like you start writing all the code to make types happen and you're like, are we sure? Are we sure we're doing this? And nothing's working because everyone's mad. And we we may do TypeScript for our API. Um and oh, here's yeah. my cell on it. Um, okay, I'm ready. Is in an API, it really matters what what you're passing around. Like I have a user, you know, and I want to like 
add the role to the user or something and I have a list of roles, like, so I'm always going to make sure my user is an actual user and my roles are an actual role, list of roles or something and mm-hmm. smash that together to produce a user with a role or something. I'm making stuff up now. But I, I like the idea of contracts, like, it's sort of like, this guy expects this very specific shape of data and it is going to give you out this specific shape of data. Yeah, there's something that just feels good about that. That is exactly, exactly right. And think of it through the whole flow, data flow of your application. That's how I'm starting to see it is that our database is typed. It has to be. It's Postgres. It's a that's just yeah. how databases work, kids, you know, if you use a good one. <laughs> Var car, yeah. 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 And GraphQL is typed, which is the, what, what we've chosen to use and has been pretty good to us as far as a, a API is concerned. Multiple thoughts on that, but okay, that's typed. It has to be. Mm-hmm. And the we use Go to power that API. Go is typed. So typed, typed, typed. And then it feels almost a little weird at the very last end to just go untyped. But then the truth is we didn't really we didn't really leave it untyped because in our React code base we we use prop types and we through mm. linting enforced that all of our componentry has proper prop types. Types, mm-hmm. prop types that's typed. So if you have mistakes, that it would yell at you for types. Be prop types popping props in Passing parents. <laughs> <laughs> they were runtime, which is kind of nice, which means that when you're when we're devving out the site and using the browser to do so, if you screwed up types, it would tell you in the console that there's problems. Mm-hmm. TypeScript is not runtime. It is only in VS Code. Guaranteed, you know, VS TypeScript is a Microsoft invention, so is VS Code. They work together really good. So if you're one of the many, many, many developers who chooses VS Code as your authoring tool, I think part of TypeScript's success is that VS Code rules at TypeScript. It's very yeah. good at it. If you if everybody was still using Sublime Text, I don't think TypeScript would be as popular. So you're not quite yeah. getting the same experience. You don't really have to configure much for TypeScript to be kind of nice in VS Code. It's doing TypeScript fancy things for you without any configuration or much at all. Yeah. It's all that like cool hovering and squiggles and fancy crap that TypeScript does. Yeah, it's almost like already interpolating a lot of it, but it it can only get more powerful or more exact. Um, I would say though, you know, in, in your situation where every other link in the chain is typed, you almost maybe don't need types <laughs> on the front end because you, you know, you have We're security so typed anyway. you have guards everywhere else, you know. But, um, you know, but it's teach their own. I just, I, I wonder how that whole Microsoft TypeScript proposal is because, right, they, they kind of proposed new language features to JavaScript that would enable you to write in a, TypeScript dish syntax in native JavaScript, optionally. And and I would lo- wonder how that's going, because I would love to know. I don't know. I I, I kind of avoided TypeScript because I just, you know, I don't need mm-hmm. it. I, like you're saying, like, once in a blue moon, I have that problem. But, you know, it would be neat to know the code I'm writing today would not be completely... Uh, Sometimes a code I write me. tomorrow wouldn't be erased or obsolete in like six months or something. Yeah. So, 
I'm compelled in some part through community. There are how many people I know and respect have said, I felt X way, then I did a bunch of TypeScript work, and now I feel differently, and now I mm-hmm. like it more. There's so many people that have said that, that that alone is compelling to me to at least give it more of a try. And the fact that I never really had anything that I really, really worked on that was TypeScript made it feel like my opinion wasn't so useful. So we did that, you know, and speaking of Next, it has helped me do the toe dipping that I needed to do. So we have some components in Next, right? This is what we needed to do to, to switch to TypeScript. You change the .js on a file to .tsx because it's TypeScript with JSX together, right? Which is a little slightly different beast, but mm-hmm. and it just works. And it's a you remember how that used to be a talking point of SAS is that that s that CSS is rename valid SCSS. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. You can kind of just rename the file and it's fine. And then I can start. Uh, it was tempting to pull out the prop types, but we've decided to leave them in there because their runtime and TypeScript isn't and whatever. And they, they can kind of work together. Our thinking is that once we're, you know, 90% TypeScript, we can pull all that stuff out because all the benefit happens at, you know, basically at the editor level instead. Right, right. And the compilation level. Uh, anyway, that was really quick to do toe dipping. You don't have to convert your entire code base. You can just kind of do a component at a time. The problem is you start, you know, really isolated components, you can do that. But once they start importing each other and stuff, it gets a little hairier. So it's it's going to be a little hard to baby step it forever. At some point, you kind of got to bite the bullet and do it. And so I'm learning. I'm literally taking courses, you know, okay, online, yeah. doing, doing little things. And uh, that's kind of satisfying in a way. In the Discord, we have a hard stop here, so I do need to respect that. But Okay. Um, but over in the Discord, Josh Collinsworth, Triple Threat Josh Collinsworth, brought up <laughs> my own uh, Dave Rupert, at Dave Rupert, why are you a hypocrite? Um, and he was saying, like, you know, I think it was in the later Hosen episode, we were just like, you know, Svelte's okay if you can, like, get over the compiler thing. And he's like, what's the difference between using a compiler in Svelte and using like view, you know, or Nuxt or something, which is, you know, a view single file component gets compiled, you know? Um, and, you know, it was a, it was a great point. Like I do think I, I apply a double standard uh, to like code transformation, you know, for me, right. I, I was kind of trying to reason and there's some nuance here and I probably need to blog through it, but the, like in, in view, my single file component turns into the uh, giant, like it, it basically yeah. rolls up my view component into a view object, uh, a view component object that gets passed yeah, to indeed. a view dot component function. Right. Whereas if you write something in Svelte, it kind of goes through a whole world of different transformation, like a global variable gets created, a whole, you know, like quite a bit of stuff optimization happens on that run. So the the in and the out the input and output are very different in Svelte, I feel like. And the input and output oh, are really? very similar in like a view template compiler. I can see why you could be accused of being hypocritical about that, because they're real they they're both compilers, you know. Right. At the surface level, a computer <laughs> changes the file. Yeah. Ta da, like we are, we all agree. Um 
but you know, it's this, these weird, this weird subtlety that I, I like, I maybe overthink and that's probably me just experiences using compilers in the past, like .NET and stuff like that and Java, you know, and stuff like that. But, um, the, you know, I, I think like at the surface, it is very much the same. I think TypeScript get, falls into this too. Is like, I don't want to do all this like mumbo jumbo. Like I don't want, I don't want the input and the output to be radically different. Uh, but it does feel like TypeScript is almost like I write extra and I get out very similar to my same code, but it's just a little bit more uh, bulletproof, I guess, as I've been yeah, writing it. So right. it's almost like a write time only, not a runtime or or a compile time only. It does take compile time to like strip that stuff out, but like very little though. I think there's a very interesting distinction about TypeScript is that something like, for example, ES Build can compile your TypeScript, and it does so incredibly fast. Mm-hmm. All right, just amazing. But you know what it doesn't do? Give any shits at all about your types. It just strips it all out and makes it yeah. JavaScript. So, like, you didn't benefit from TypeScript at all in that way. So then w- where do you benefit from TypeScript then? Well, guess what? You be- you benefit from it because VS Code supports it really well. You've, you benefit it at that level. But you can yeah. ship busted-ass TypeScript code. It's fine. It'll just get it'll just all get stripped out and compiled really quickly. And then and then I think it's funny that tools then brag about how fast they are at compiling it. You're like, well, it doesn't do. It's not doing the type thing. Yeah, it's basically compiling TypeScript means removing all type enforcements, right? <laughs> like, like you basically yeah, and absolutely entirely just strip them gone. Just deleting code. It deletes code so fast, you know. Which, but, um, but that's you know, it's one of those shift left kind of concepts is that we that we're trusting our editor tools so much to be the place where it actually matters. Now, I don't know. There's probably all kinds of different ways you could set this up. You could set, you know, you could make it so your uh, your GitHub action or whatever your 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 pipeline does a type check in it somewhere and mm-hmm. fails if there's a problem, but yeah. the like local builds don't do it or something. I mean, there's nuance to all this. So I'm not trying to like globally <laughs> craft fun this whole system, but it is it is kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, it, but I think too, it's that authoring. You know, it's like if I'm in my API and I'm like, cool, I'm going to like send a response object. I, I just want it to look like a response object, you know, like, and we tell TypeScript, here's what we expect responses to look like, you know, and it makes sure it sends a response that looks like a response, you know? So yeah. like, you know, that's cool to me. Is that, that seems cool. <laughs> like, so anyway, I, I think like we'll probably do that, but it's um, and kind of bite that technical debt, or you know, or just whatever that extra process. But purely just for the back end, I think it'll be a while before I do front end. View view enforces types too, kind of natively, without like prop types. But right, there is something to be said about looking. Oh, it does. Interesting, really. Yeah. Oh, I it's didn't like know that. Built-in feature. Yeah. So. Oh, that's kind of nice because you can. I mean, certainly you could just write. TypeScript 2 with Vue if you wanted to. To me, visually, it still looks horrible. I'm not over it. But, you know, remember for a long time, I thought the same of lots of different technologies over the years. And I'm sure that I don't get that sense from people that write a lot of TypeScript that they think it looks gross. 
That's not yeah. a talking point I hear, but to me, yeah. it very much does. It looks I like agree. a lot of noise in there. And I'm, I'm, I'm sensitive to noise in componentry because I think there, a lot of times I have to sit down and reason about components. That is something that is very much a part of my job and I spend time thinking about and doing. And if there's noise in the way, I, I, I worry about that a little bit. It's part of, but not entirely the reason I don't always love Tailwind. So sorry, not trying to set the world on fire here. I always feel like oh, I have to tiptoe around Tailwind stuff. But Way to go, dude. We just I know, I know. One use star apply, review idiot. now. Yeah. Don't use apply, idiots. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, Anyway, or and and anything though, like you just to, to keep burning the world. Be like, well, that you know, having co-located styles in the same file as a component, I don't love because it feels like noise. And why not just split it into a different file? It's like big deal. Or like, oh, put the state machine at the top of your component. Eh, maybe that one's actually helpful because it does help me reason about the component in a way. But it is an awful lot of noise for a single component. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I, I think. Yeah, same feelings. There's like it's noise. I but back to the thing is like if you're passing a prop called I don't know um, pizza equals and like at least you'd have some confidence that pizza prop somewhere in the chain if it's all in TypeScript was an actual pizza being passed down. You know, Um, yep. And and that's maybe helpful. That's pretty rad, Um, right? Because that's yeah. not too much noise because then your type is probably somewhere else in your code base. You have your mm-hmm. own little at Luro slash types somewhere, mm-hmm. part of your mono repo probably. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then when you make a pizza type, you just call, you know, colon pizza. You're not like yeah. defining the type right as you're using it kind of thing, which is less noisy and sounds pretty good. Although I'm hesitant to talk too much more about it because I feel a little ignorant about all this, and I know you got a hard stop. So, any final words for hard stop edition? No, no. I, if uh, you're having success with TypeScript, send it in. We we we'll talk about it next time because oh, yeah. uh, you know, like we always, it's always good to I don't know, kind of get people's perspectives. So we'll try to talk about that. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe just we need to do the TypeScript challenge. So. Uh, all right. Well, we'll wrap this up. Uh, thank you for listening to another Hard Stop edition of the Shop Talk Show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for six tweets a month. Uh, join us over in the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. Uh, I forgot one of them, but uh, <laughs> we'll. Oh, like, subscribe, star, heart, favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Uh, Chris, you got anything <laughs> else you'd like to say? No, but always a pleasure, Dave. We'll talk soon. ShopTalkShow.com. Good talking. <laughs>